Pastor Ray Bentley points out, Jesus' teaching was eye-opening to that generation. Many of the people were religious. They had a form of religion, a show, if you will, of a godliness, but no fruit. What God is interested in, he says this all the way through the Old Testament, the prophets, Hebrew prophets. He goes, look, I'm not impressed by being religious. I want your heart. I want relationship. If you have relationship, it will bear fruit. Spread Welcome to Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. The new covenant, as explained throughout the New Testament, is less about tradition and ritual and more about relationship and regeneration. It was a revolutionary change for those of the first century. And today, Pastor Ray points out how Jesus devoted many hours to explaining this new dimension of divine relationship. I have a very unique uh, message to share with you. If you have your Bibles, let's open them to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 21. It's only a few verses, Matthew, chapter 21, verses 18 through 22. The description is basically of Jesus. He, He has just had Palm Sunday, Lamb Selection Day. Everybody's getting ready for Passover, and the people, Hosanna, Hosanna, bless you, comes in the name of the Lord. But this is the week that will lead to his crucifixion, death, burial, and resurrection on the third day. So we're kind of in between Palm Sunday and uh, Passover Friday. And during that week, Jesus, you know, is going back and forth, Mount of Olives, to the temple area, and he's hungry one day, and while he's walking, he sees a fig tree, so he goes to the fig tree to get something to eat. But the tree doesn't have any figs on it, and then Jesus cursed the fig tree. And literally, it withered and supernaturally. And it's really bizarre, because I remember, I was, you know, as a young believer, I was actually a young guy and a young believer, and I'm reading, oh, you know, Jesus heals this person, that person, the lame can walk, the blind can see, the deaf can hear, demons are flying out of people. It's like, wow, he's a really loving, gentle, uh, you know, caring guy. And then he comes to this tree, doesn't have figs on, and he curses it. It's like, what's that all about? So I want to share with you, because it is an anomaly, and... I mean, I'm thinking, well, if he has that kind of power, how come he didn't just bless the tree and make it produce fruit overnight or something? But he doesn't do that. So obviously, there's more going on than just a tree and fruit. There's something symbolic going on. So I want to talk about that. And I also want to talk about not only uh, blessings, the power of the kingdom of God is that he can bring supernatural blessing in your life. But there is also, on the negative side, spiritual, supernatural things in the, in the spirit realm that are curses and how to break those curses. So Matthew chapter 21, I'm going to begin in verse 18. It says, now in the morning, so again, we're kind of in between Palm Sunday and Passover. Now in the morning, as he returned to the city of Jerusalem, he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree by the road, he came to it and found nothing on it but leaves. And he said to it, let no fruit grow on you ever again. Immediately, the fig tree withered away. Now, when the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, "Wow! how did the fig tree wither away so fast? So Jesus answered them and said, assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree. So now, look, beyond application, Jesus said, hey, you guys can do this too. It's like, what? 
curses and blessings, supernaturally charged words and commands. You can do this too, but also, if you say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, it will be done. And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. Now, what's interesting is that nobody then was cursing a fig tree directly, but, and then moving mountains, Jesus said, but he's giving a principle here about this, the spiritual and the supernatural. So this has several layers to it. But on one layer, I believe that Jesus is saying, as you know, followers of God, and you're disciples and you're trying to live a life that is good, he goes, look, there are going to be obstacles. We live in, how many would agree the world we live in now is fallen and broken and needs repair? It's pretty obvious. So while we're here trying to follow God and obey him, there are other people trying to rebel against God and do their own thing, there will be mountains that are before us that will look impassable or they may seem impossible. But Jesus is saying, if you have faith and you listen and you learn, you will be able to speak to impossible situations and they will on this life, in this earth, be removed sideways so that you can walk forward. Anybody interested in that? So it's very, very powerful. Now the fig tree, I wanna just mention this. The fig tree is symbolic. Fig trees are symbolic of the nation of Israel. Now, what's interesting is that when the children of Israel went into the promised land, it was a very different land. I mean, they'd been in Egypt 400 years, they go through the wilderness for 40 years, had to have miracles to get them through that. Then they get to the edge of the promised land, Canaan, and they're getting ready to go in, and God tells them there are seven kinds of fruit. And these seven kinds of fruit are a spiritual symbol of how much I am going to bless you. One of the seven fruits was figs. Figs are, you know, they're, they're uh, naturally healthy. They, they have nutrition in the wilderness. And by the way, a lot of different kinds of trees maybe that wouldn't grow in certain dry and arid conditions, fig trees, they thrive on it. They love it. And if you're, you know, ancient Israel, agricultural, you know, background, tribes and all of that, fig tree can get a canopy of maybe 35 feet wide and there's not a lot of other kinds of trees necessarily and, or shade. So families would literally sit often and enjoy the shade underneath a fig tree, let alone the fruit that comes from it. So it became a symbol of you're under the shadow of my wings, of my blessing, of my protection. I'm gonna provide for you. And I'm not only give you fruit from the tree, I want you to be as my sons and daughters bearing the fruit of the kingdom of heaven. Love and joy and peace and all the rest of it. It's interesting that when Jesus started calling his disciples, all of them Jewish, that he said, so, so Matthew, the tax collector, and John, and James, the fisherman, and uh, then there was another guy named Nathaniel. I don't know if you know, he's one of the lesser known guys, but it, here's an interesting thing. Everything that the Gospels tell us has meaning to it. It may seem incidental, but there are no coincidences with God. And Jesus says about when he called Nathaniel, he said, I saw you, Nathaniel, and you were sitting under a fig tree. That's very symbolic. What he's saying is, you're a man who represents the heart that God had for the Jewish people. You're a true son of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Well, this whole idea of sitting under a fig tree, enjoying the shade of the fig tree, the fruit of the fig tree, one of the seven fruits of the promised land coming under the favor of God is so repetitive 
that uh, the prophets, the ancient Hebrew prophets started saying, when finally the kingdom of heaven comes from heaven to the earth, because back in the Garden of Eden, uh, there was a beautiful garden on the top of a tall mountain called Eden. And in Eden, with Adam and Eve, when God first made us, that was where heaven and earth were one. Heaven was on the earth. God walked with Adam and Eve every day in the cool of the evening. There was no separation as there is now because of sin. So the prophets began saying, when heaven is restored and the earth and heaven are married back together, every man, is what they said, every man will sit under his own vine and under his own fig tree. That's why, because of what fig trees meant and the symbol, they became a, nation, a, a symbol for the nation of Israel. And so we have to realize he's speaking symbolically. He's not saying everybody, because obviously, 2,000 years ago, there were Jews that said, yeah, Jesus is the guy, he's the Messiah. There were some that said he's not the guy. So that's always been true, and obviously there, there were guys then and there's still today that say, no, he's the guy. But the nation at large did not recognize him. What's interesting is, as the prophets point out, that's what God had predicted and prophesied. They said when the Messiah comes the first time, he will not be recognized. He won't be recognized or seen the first time he comes. That was part of the plan of God. It's a big part of the mystery of God. He says, but he's gonna come again, and the second time, they will see him. So to have a fig tree with leaves on it, but no fruit. What he's saying is that, look, many of the people were religious. They had a form of religion, a show, if you will, of a godliness, but no fruit. What God is interested in, he says this all the way through the Old Testament, the prophets, Hebrew prophets, he goes, look, I'm not impressed by being religious. I want your heart, I want relationship. If you have relationship, it will bear fruit. And the fruit of being in a relationship with God is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and long-suffering and forbearance and all the fruit of the Spirit. But if you have all the outward religious show like leaves, but no fruit, then something is wrong. Now, interestingly, then Jesus at, you know, this very week will give a message to them, and he says, now learn a parable of the fig tree. In Matthew chapter 24, after he curses this, this fig tree, and by the way, that's when, you know, literally 40 years later after he was crucified, the temple, you know, Romans crush Israel, they lose their homeland, they lose the temple, every stone's torn down, even as Jesus had predicted, not one stone left on top of another, true to this very hour. But he did not give up on the fig tree, and Jesus said, learn a parable of the fig tree. When its branches are tender and when it begins to bud forth, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things, you know that... I'm about ready to come back. In other words, the second coming of the Messiah, and this time Israel will be ready. So the fig tree, symbolic of 2,000 years ago, but then symbolically becomes a picture of the restoration of Israel in the last days, which I think we are seeing even right now. Pastor Ray Bentley will have more of today's study in just a moment. Since Pastor Ray went to heaven, so many listeners have shared comments on what his teaching means to them. I met Pastor Ray when I was really young. Looking back, I realized he was pretty young too. I remember him praying for me as I was going through a challenging time. His kindness and great faith encouraged me. I can hardly think of another person who packed as much life into so relatively few years. I look forward to seeing him again one day. Although he's gone home, his teachings continue here on the radio thanks to the support from listeners like you. 
If you'd like to partner with Ray Bentley Ministries and Maranatha Radio, just go to our website at www.raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com. And now more of today's message from Pastor Ray Bentley. So what I want to summarize and talk about just for a few moments is that as a child of God, that is the Spirit of God within you, be careful with your mouth and your words because your words as a child of God have power. They are able to bring supernatural blessing or they can bring curse. So I want to just talk about this. God is the author of both blessings and curses for generations. When you come under the blessing of God, it will be evident in your relationships. It will be evident in your life. It will bear fruit. It will be something spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically, prospering, inwardly, outwardly, in every area of your life. And not only if you are walking with God will you be blessed, but your generations will be blessed to the next generation and to the next generation. On the other hand, the cursing can follow the same. If you live in rebellion against God, that curse can follow into your children and then into the next generation. So as we talk about blessings and cursing, there, there are times when I, I feel that there are people, they're good people, and maybe they, they know God or they have a relationship with God or whatever, but they're, they're fighting something and they don't realize that they've opened a window into their lives that has allowed a curse to come or a door that has opened or something is not right. You feel like there's something pressing you down, weighing you down. You feel like there's something you can't see. Let me put it real simple, modern English. Something invisible is going on around you that is you're coming up against. And it may be a curse. And what I want to say is, if you diagnose the curse and you have the remedy, you can break any curse. So I'm going to tell you how to diagnose a little bit just from the Bible, just as scripture. And at the end, I'm going to teach you how to break any and every curse against you, your children, your family, your generations. Does that sound good? Okay. So Genesis chapter 22, verse 18. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Now, in your notes, I put that and underlined it. You want to come under the blessing of God. The secret to coming under the supernatural blessing of God is to hear his voice and then obey. It's not just hearing his voice. It's not just reading the Bible or the prophets or going to a religious service. It is hearing the voice of God and then obeying what he says brings you into the sovereign supernatural blessing of God. I want to say to you that the nature of a real blessing is supernatural. A blessing is words that are spoken either by God or by his children that are supernaturally charged with power and have the capacity to literally bring the power of heaven to manifest on the earth as Jesus did with the fig tree or said you could do to a mountain. All right? It is more than just wishful thinking or having kind sentiments, oh, bless y'all. It's not that. It is intentional. It is specific. But I want you to know your words are charged powerfully, supernaturally. They will impact your life and your world. It is words supernaturally empowered 
that can determine people's destiny, both in blessing and also a curse. I want you to note that in the Bible, from you know, the beginning of the Bible all the way to the end, God has pronounced curses on nations, on individuals. And by the way, when God you know, pronounces from heaven, from his mouth, a curse, it is one of the most severe forms of the judgment of God. Do anything you can to avoid, like the plague, the curses of God and God himself. Now, when, when God came, you know, the, the, our, our whole family tree that, that started with the Jewish people and now Gentiles, we're all, you know, in, in this big family. It, it all started with a man named Abraham 4,000 years ago. God found a man, finally, that would listen to him, that would believe him and say, stop worshiping. You know, they worship the sun, they worship the moon, they worship stars, they worship mountains, they worship rivers, they worship animals. So that may seem innocuous, you know, nature, whatever. They didn't know, you could say, but what we don't know, especially in the modern world, and that many people in the bigger, broader world do know, is that behind the worship of the sun and the moon and the stars and mountains and rivers and trees and animals are spirits that are very real in the spiritual realm. And, and those become conduits, those worship of other things to other gods that are in the fallen angel category or what the Bible calls the demonic realm. So Genesis chapter 12, verses two and three. Let's look at what God said to Abraham. Let's read it out loud. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now I want you to note in that, I mean this, this is foundational. If you ought to have those verses, Genesis 12, one through three, highlighted in your Bible, underlined in your Bible, know them, plant them in your mind. And by the way, when God pronounces this blessing on Abraham, it's not only for Abraham, it's for all the generations of all, not only the Jewish people, but onto the Gentile people, for all the nations of the earth will be blessed through this. And I want you to know there are seven statements in the blessing that God gave to Abraham. Now, if you know anything about the Bible and numbers, seven is a very powerful, profound, biblical Hebrew number. Seven means perfection, completion, fullness. It somehow represents the kingdom of heaven itself seven days, seven notes on a scale. I mean, we could go on and on and on. The seven is very, very, very powerful. And I actually have, uh, in my Bible, I've, I've numbered them, because it's every sentence in, in this is separate. So the first blessing is this, I will make you a great nation. That's number one. Number two, I will bless you. Number three, I will make your name great. Number four, and you shall be a blessing. Number five, and I will bless all and any of those who bless you. But number six is the kicker. And I will curse him who curses you. This is God talking. And in you, this is seventh, in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham's blessing 
was passed on to Isaac, and the blessing of Abraham and Isaac was passed on to Jacob, and the blessing of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob was passed to his 12 sons, and the 12 sons became the nation of Israel and the Jewish people. This is very, very important. I want you to hear what I am saying. When God calls a man to a special task, which God did with Abraham, that man will become the target of Satan's enmity in a very special, directed way. Once God, out of all the people on the planet, he said, Abraham, I like you, I choose you, I'm gonna bless you and your descendants. The moment God chose Abraham, the enemy went, ah, that's the guy I'm going after. So when you come under the favor of God, the blessing of God, under the shade of the tree of Abraham, you need to know that while God's on your side, there's an enemy on the other side who is against you. But what I love about the sevenfold blessing that God gave to Abraham is that God put into the original blessing a protective clause for Abraham, and it's number six. God said, anyone who tries to curse you, I personally will curse him. I will curse him who curses you. Now, let, what does that mean in modern, plain English? I'm going to just call it out as it is, anti-Semitism. Anti-Semitism, God's curse is on anti-Semitism whether the source is an individual, a nation, whatever it is, they are under the direct curse of the creator of the universe with all of his power and presence. Maybe this affects you in a way you had never thought about before. Maybe it, it's you, maybe it's not you, but maybe your family, maybe your parents, maybe your family tree, maybe your ancestors or related ones have been enemies of the Jewish people, or spoken against the Jewish people, or in some way tried to curse the Jewish people. You are under the curse of God. Get away from it, get off of it, you know, separate from it. Deuteronomy chapter 27, verse 11. If you will remember, God ordained that when the children of Israel finally came into the promised land, he made them stand, half of the tribes on one mountain, half of the tribes on the other side of the mountain and pronounced, one side pronounced blessings from God and the other side of the mountain pronounced curses from God. The one side said, if you do this, God says, I will bless you supernaturally. If you do that and you rebel, you don't listen to my voice, you don't obey me, you are under the curse. So literally, they could not even enter the promised land without being exposed to both the blessing of God if we're obedient or a curse against you if we are disobedient and shut our ears to the voice of the Lord. Let me say it again. There is no way into the promised land without going through the banner of both blessings and cursings. Some eye-opening insight today about blessings and cursings. Pastor Ray Bentley with good counsel from our studies based in the Gospel of Matthew here on Maranatha Radio. Today's study is titled, Jesus Breaks the Curse. If you missed any part, you can hear a replay on iTunes or at raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com.
When you get to the homepage, you can leave a tribute to Pastor Ray's life and service to the Lord. Also, click the word media, and you'll see the words watch, radio, and Devo, three engaging ways you can enjoy Pastor Ray's insights via video, audio recording, or daily devotions. In fact, at the very bottom of the page, you can link to Pastor Ray's Facebook page, his podcast, his YouTube channel, and Twitter feed. And you'll also find Pastor Ray's books there at raybentley.com. His new book, The Final Witness, is an engaging prophetic fiction novel, part of the Elijah Chronicles series. It's riveting and educational at the same time. And raybentley.com is always where you'll find the best deals on Pastor Ray's resources. You can also donate securely right there on the site. Your investments help bring the whole gospel to the whole world. Or our mailing address is Maranatha Radio, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127. Next time, join Pastor Ray for more from our studies in the book of Matthew. More from God's Word next time on Maranatha Radio. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley is an outreach of Maranatha Chapel, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127.